0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Cloud Architect Podcast, a podcast about cloud, technology, and the people using it. Welcome, everyone. Nicholas Blank here with my co host, Warren Dutoy and Chris Goosen.
1: Hello. Hi, everyone. For more information on this podcast as well as other shows, uh, browse to http://thearchitects.cloud.
0: This podcast is brought to you by Chem Technologies. We chose Kemp as a sponsor based on their amazing product line for the cloud, which includes the Kemp Loadmaster appliance in the Microsoft Azure marketplace, as well as Kemp 360 family. For more information, go to kemptechnologies.com. This podcast is brought to you by NB Consult. NB Consult is a consultancy based in South Africa, the United Kingdom and Hong Kong, focused on migrating customers to the cloud or helping them build their own clouds.
2: In today's episode, we have longtime friend, Greg Sheridan. Greg needs no introduction to many of you, uh, and is also known as Greg in Sydney. Greg, welcome to the show, and do you want to introduce yourself?
3: Thank you, guys. Thanks, Chris. Uh, Yes, and thanks for having me today. Um, So, I'm Greg Sheridan. I uh, run a blog called greginsydney.com, focused on uh, Skype for business primarily, uh, Link, and increasingly Teams. I've uh, also snuck the odd recipe in there from time to time. I've been in uh, the telecommunications market since I left school and joined our national carrier as an apprentice technician. And uh, from there, I moved into what was PABX maintenance. And uh, I've, I've, as my career has evolved, I've moved uh, into Microsoft's uh, OCS product and then into Link and now Skype for Business and soon-to-be Teams. So that's uh, 30-odd years in uh, 30 seconds.
2: So I think that, that kind of opens up you know, uh, a really great point. And that's kind of one of the reasons why we're so excited to talk to you is you know, you've kind of been through this evolution of uh, traditional PBX system um, you know, evolving into uh, the unified communication space with UC and, and, and doing what Microsoft and, and Cisco and the other vendors are doing with VoIP. And now we're seeing that second evolution, essentially, or, or the second evolution in your career, which is looking at the cloud. Um, and so, you know, we feel like it would be a really, really interesting perspective to, to talk to someone who's kind of been through that before um, and perhaps, you know, have a bit of a, a magic uh, eight ball look at what you think might, uh, might be coming down the, down the track.
3: Sure. Well, look, I, I'm a lot more comfortable talking about where I've been uh, and the amazing evolutions that we've seen in communications over the last 30 years. My crystal ball is notoriously bad at predicting what's going to come. And uh, my most recent failure in that regard was a presentation I gave at the Sydney UC meetup back in August where uh, we'd gotten wind from Microsoft that the next version of Cloud Connector Edition for uh, Skype for Business Online was going to support co-residency with, uh, with on-premises deployments. And uh, for a lot of our customers in their large O365 tenancies, they uh, have a requirement uh, or opportunities there to uh, merge on-prem and uh, have a requirement for some cloud there. And uh, I, I spent, uh, I guess, half an hour talking about uh, uh, how this was all going to happen and some of the opportunities that was going to uh, present for us. And then when uh, Microsoft released the latest update a few weeks ago, they'd, uh, they'd already killed it. So, yeah, the, the crystal ball there is uh, not too good.
2: <laughs> I think, that, I think that happens to all of us. I think we are all sometimes uh, you know, get a little ahead of ourselves with that. But you, you mentioned something that was really interesting, too. Is obviously, you're talking um, from the perspective of Australia and the Australian market. Um, and I wanted to mention that I think logistically uh, this episode has been, been one of the most interesting ones that we've, we've done, uh, given that we have a 16- or 17-hour uh, time span between you know, yes. the United States where I am and, and Sydney where you are, uh, and then with you know, uh, Warren and Nick in the middle somewhere. Um, and so I think often we, we forget, you know, we're immersed in our market. So be it Australia, be it, you know, the EMEA market um, that Nick and, and Warren work in or here in the U.S. And we forget that, that sometimes there isn't parity between um, feature sets in the service in the different markets. Is that something that you've come across?
3: Oh, look, ab- absolutely. It's a major, major problem here in Australia. And uh, if you were to ask me, uh, what sort of obstacles to, uh, to adopting the cloud, the, uh, the bandwidth problems we have here in Australia is, is absolutely the top of that list. I mean, sure, sovereignty, concerns about uh, information going into maybe an offshore data centre or somewhere controlled by, uh, by a foreign entity, those, those concerns are legitimate. But the practical stuff for us, the day-to-day, uh, is just the, uh, the bandwidth constraints, and as uh, more and more people are working from home or working on the move, uh, these bandwidth problems become to the fore. And uh, I'll give you an example of uh, me. I work from home. Our uh, main office is in Melbourne, and those of us in uh, the other, other capitals up and down the eastern seaboard uh, all, all work from home. And uh, I have a business grade DSL service here. and uh, I tested it just before the podcast. And I'm getting 12 meg down and 700k up. So it makes it uh, a little bit challenging. Certainly if I'm uh, uh, invited to meetings, my default posture is not sending video. It's not just because I'm sitting in a T-shirt uh, at the table uh, or very casual like your most home workers are. It's Do you at least have pants I on? Have, I, well, under the table. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't have the uplink speed for that and uh, there are certainly times where uh, if I am required for uh, business reasons to be sending some video and maybe wearing a collar for that call um, I'll drop off the home wi-fi and I'll actually tether to my phone because I'm going to get a better network connection. I think we're pretty much
0: in the same place in in most countries that are not either Europe or the the US in terms of first world experience of uh, upload and what what that allows us to do and uh, the skype for business cloud connect edition kind of bridges some of that gap and makes uh, some of what used to be impossible from a cloud voice point of view possible However, a lot of our listeners aren't necessarily that au fait in voice and particularly understanding what the Skype for Business Cloud Connector Edition solves. So Greg, do you mind unpacking what that is and why you'd even want to use that as opposed to living in this magic world where Microsoft is providing Skype for Business Online as well as potentially
3: the voice that should come with that? Sure. So it's interesting that you mentioned the bandwidth and you gave the example of Europe and the US. And its is it coincidence that uh, the nine countries in the world that have uh, Microsoft as uh, as their cloud uh, service provider, their cloud carrier, are Europe and uh, the US and now Canada? So it, is, it may be a coincidence. I don't know. But for those of us uh, in the rest of the world... Uh, where we, we aren't able to use uh, Microsoft's uh, calling plan, uh, previously PSTN calling features, uh, or perhaps for some of those areas where, uh, where you might prefer not to. You might have a, a better bundled deal with your carriage, which is very common here in Australia. It's very common for your carrier to bundle in both, uh, say, the, the network network, and your local telephony, and, and particularly the, the kicker in there is mobiles. So, mobiles are the most expensive component of, of uh, any company's phone bills here in Australia, and uh, your carriers are very keen to bundle and I guess to try and keep you on net and deter you from going elsewhere. So, uh, for those environments, the cloud connector edition, and uh, potentially through into next year, something that's called or that we're notionally calling BYO Trunk. B-O-T, uh, it gives you the ability to have your uh, local uh, PSTN service, whether that is uh, you know, old-school primitive 2-wire copper or ISDN or even a local SIP service terminated on a gateway in your own office, and then whilst you have a, uh, a connection back into Office 365 – the audio component of your calls stays local. So whilst there's still a signalling component going back to, uh, to Office 365, the audio payload of your calls stays local. And uh, this also then lets you uh, interface back into uh, maybe legacy PBXs. exits. So uh, if you're looking at moving to uh, Skype for Business Online or maybe Teams Telephony, then uh, you could start with Cloud Connector Edition, soon to be BOAT, and uh, still keep the PABX migrate some users across to the new platform, and then over time maybe turn the old PABX off and uh, still just keep using CCE as your, uh, uh, your local interface, your local point of connection back to uh, the carrier.
0: So in a nutshell, what CCE will give you is the, the effectively the voice glue to get an on-premises customer or someone who wants to use on-premises voice, but still have the all-encompassing experience with the the um, Skype online desktop experience. Yeah, so we've got. Um, so I'm just trying to wrap this up really nicely in a nutshell. So we've got uh, Skype for Business online, and we've got all the the cool IM and conferencing stuff that happens with that. But then, um, if we don't have a, what we used to call enterprise voice. As part of that so we don't have a voice component to that the the Skype for business cloud connector edition effectively allows us to bridge that gap and bring the the voice component into that within reason irrespective of the
1: mobile client or the desktop client that's being used correct I think something to add to that quickly though is it's it's not that easy right I mean it sounds very simple but uh, what people fail, and we've, we've had this problem here, is people fail to realize what are the requirements for a CCE um, and how is it installed and do you need a Windows 2012 R2 license, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So essentially there's a bunch of stuff that's been missed uh, when it comes to the immediate documentation or uh, the immediate um, sort of marketing pitch so have yourself an e5 get yourself a cloud cloud pbx license and uh, boom you can use psdn and people don't understand that okay so we need a gateway as well now so how much does the let's say I'm gonna punt audio codes because I use audio codes Um, there SBC there's a license attached to that as well so what are your views on that and how can I mean in your in your from your perspective how can we debunk the myths and sort of things behind CCE and like lay it out all on the table.
3: Okay. So look, um, CCE is meant to be, or it is, an extension of Office 365. We view it as an appliance. Um, it has to be, some, somewhere in this CCE, has to be a server running Hyper-V. Now uh, this is completely independent. This is not uh, running inside a, a hypervisor inside another platform. It has to be on dedicated copper um, running Hyper-V, and it then spins up the necessary virtual machines. Now there are two ways that you can uh, build a CCA. You can do the um, do the bespoke DIY version of that. Uh, the the biggest. Uh, the biggest killer for that you still need the machine to run all of this on and then you still need and then you need a data center edition license of windows 2012 uh, which is particularly expensive if you have to uh, have to stump up for that the preferred approach is to use either the sonus or the audio codes version which has all of that uh, yeah inside the same wrapper bundled with your gateway so uh, it's a lot easier to show to somebody as being an appliance it can be a one RU box that has the uh, CCE, the four VMs running inside of it, and it's also then the uh, the SBC, the gateway to your to your local telephony. Uh, a number of people, if you do actually uh, tear one of those appliances apart, you, you uh, especially if you're concerned for how it uh, can be so cheap compared to what the cost of a data center edition license is, they're actually running standard edition inside and uh, Standard Edition Windows. But uh, I think the idea is they've uh, bought two licenses, and that meets the spirit of the uh, machine licensing uh, requirements around uh, Standard Edition and the number of VMs you can build on it. So uh, they've obviously had uh, official sign-off from Microsoft on this, so uh, this is how they're doing it. The fact that that might differ to the published requirement for uh, the DIY version um, is, is, I guess, irrelevant. You're buying the appliance from the vendor. Um, if Microsoft has any concerns about your licensing, um, yeah, that's uh, as it was bought from the, from, the, uh, from the vendor as an approved Microsoft appliance. So as a
0: follow-on to that, when would you use full-fat Skype on-premises that's going to hybrid mode in cloud versus CCE, And that's um, uh, part one of the question. And then following on from that... You know, since we are talking about cloud, and there's going to be a vNext, a v-next of of uh, for business, tell us your thoughts about vNext for on-premises as
3: well. Okay, um, so why would you uh, do on-prem? Look, for a lot of our customers, that's legacy. Uh, there are a couple of uh, a couple of things that you need to have an on-prem deployment for today. Uh, the obvious ones there are a contact center offering, anything a little bit more advanced than the uh, basic response group type of functionality or uh, what's offered by uh, the call uh, call queues inside Skype for Business Online. And uh, so we're talking you know, screen pops, CRM integration and some pretty serious contact center uh, offerings. Uh, and the other one would be call recording. So you can't yep. do either of those in, uh, in the cloud at the moment. Now, that's ex- well. We were hoping that was going to change late this year, but we're running out of late late this year. So we're hoping that's going to change early next year when Microsoft uh, publishes the API for uh, for developing against Skype for Business Online. Um, so there's there's all sorts of uh, development platforms out there at the moment. There's the uh, all of the bot framework, but there isn't something that lets a vendor uh, such as maybe an inch House or a Genesis. Uh, create a version of their uh, of their contact center suite, homed to uh, uh, to online. So, uh, uh, so for a user that's homed online, calls coming in online, and uh, are then you know, pushed back to the agents with the full suite of functionality that they enjoy today in uh, the on-premises platform. So uh, those those would be the main reasons why you'd uh, need to stay on-prem, but at least for the time being. I think 2018 uh, is going to be a really interesting year. I'm, uh, I'm really excited by all of the things that are, uh, uh, that are coming in 2018. And we saw a, a sneak peek of that only recently with the uh, announcement that Teams now has, uh, has telephone calling, pierced calling uh, a- across the entire platform. Now, this is still only available for people in those nine countries who have the, uh, the Skype for Business Online offering, but that's obviously going to be growing. And then through, at some stage next year, we're we're currently told Q2, so if you want to be a little bit cynical, let's call it start of Q3, is when Microsoft's uh, planning on introducing the the BOAO trunk model that I I mentioned earlier on. And that's likely to, uh, to make CCE redundant, rather than having a... Uh, you have the, the world's smallest deployment of Skype for business uh, with domain controller and a certificate authority all inside the skin of this CCE, which is what it is. Um, I liked the fact that it was originally called Mintop. That was its working name. It was the minimum topology oh, yeah. you were going to need. Um, so no longer will you need Mintop. You're just going to need uh, an SBC that can then uh, you know, home itself to the cloud. You might have a SIP-based SBC on-premises uh, a couple of certificates in it maybe, one side of it talks to your carrier, whether that be ISDN, analog, heaven forbid, or uh, SIP trunking, and then on the uh, the upstream side of that, it talks um, securely back into Skype for Business Online. So
2: you, you mentioned something before. Uh, you said the word Teams. Now, those of us who, who were at Ignite or who have paid attention to the announcements coming from Ignite, uh, I guess already know that that Teams seems to be the next thing, right? It seems to be the evolution. Um, uh, so, what what are your what are your feelings on that? And, and, and kind of what do you um, what do you see in that space right now in terms of uh, Skype for Business versus Teams and and the, the capability of the two and, and where they may may go.
3: So they um, they have some differences in them at the moment, but uh, Microsoft's certainly committed to a, an incredibly aggressive. Um, uh, Rollout uh, of of uh, f- of features so that we'll have feature parity. Certainly from a telephony perspective, um, well, there's, there's been some announcements even uh, even this month with uh, uh, transfer, call hold. Uh, yeah, it's the the PSTN calling side of things has already been announced. But uh, throughout 2018, they're going to be adding the uh, Other features that are available in Skype for Business Online now with uh, call queues, we're going to have uh, consultative and safe transfers, boss delegate support, so that'll uh, keep the executives on on side. Uh, We'll have that uh, BOEO trunk functionality. So certainly some stage through 2018, and certainly by the end of 2018, we're going to have parity between Skype for Business online and teams and that's one of the uh, one of the things that I, I didn't get around to answering Nick's part two of his question uh, there is a new version of Skype for business server due out late uh, late next year and may even be in preview a little earlier than uh, uh, than this time next year and uh, that's going to be for those uh, customers who for whatever reason still have a requirement to stay on Prem and for those people who don't realize teams is a hundred percent cloud offering so, so you have a yeah, Take. yeah, that,
2: that makes sense. And I, and I think, so, um, well, I guess one of the things you said, you, you know, you're talking about, we're talking about Microsoft's aggressive approach. We're seeing the, the their, not aggressive approach, I guess, aggressive timeline as to, you know, trying to get parity. But how, how's the workforce reacting to this though, right? We, we spoke to uh, to a young lady um, uh, a few weeks ago uh, who talked to us about Teams adoption within her organization. And, and, and you know, they're all millennials or uh, many of them are millennials and they love working, the team's way, but the workforce isn't made up entirely of millennials. No,
3: no, it's not. No, it's not. It's funny you should ask that, Chris. Um, as a Gen Xer, I'm uh, certainly challenged by the some of the changes that are that are coming in teams. Uh, there's a, a very Facebooky social media look to teams. It certainly doesn't have the structure of of uh, um, the. Uh, the office app that I know and love called Outlook. Um, I am quite a fan of email. I have rules. I manage. Uh, so for somebody like me, and I know I'm not alone. I've spoken to other Gen Xers. We've had uh, little little quiet meetings about uh, about uh, how we uh, are going to have to evolve or die. And uh, it is uh, it is challenging to. Uh, uh, just to uh, to change from that old school kind of it's kind of text on screen, isn't it? It's very uh, old school. If you if you look at uh, uh, look at Outlook and emails, um, it's quite a major leap to the very graphical uh, layout that is that is in Teams. And uh, certainly, which leads user me to a, a quick interject. There mm-hmm.
1: is also if you could dovetail on the whole client client side of things. The, I'm going to I'm going to be honest. The Mac version of Skype for Business is terrible, terrible. But the Teams is actually pretty good. So does that mean that we are that Microsoft is going to stop developing uh, for Skype for Business and so, sort of well, move the
3: client over? Yeah. So there is a uh, there is a, a definite plan there for uh, for Skype for Business and migrating to Teams. Certainly from uh, from uh, Skype for Business Online, it's absolutely moving to Teams. But Microsoft is committed to keeping Skype for Business Server (SFBS). The on-prem version into the next version that's uh, that's due yeah, late 2018, early 2019. So that's going to have a uh, a predefined uh, lifespan. And uh, Microsoft people uh, have even gone so far as to suggest that it's not necessarily going to be the last version of of on-prem service. So I guess. So then, will uh,
1: Teams be able to work with on-premises Skype for Business?
3: Um, so th- I think this is one of the. One of the things that's absolutely killing the developers at the moment is uh, is what we're calling federation. So, uh, what we have used and enjoyed from OCS through into Link and uh, and Skype for Business, where uh, people on multiple you know, uh, disparate installations are able to talk and interact and uh, you know, share all of that functionality uh, across their organisations. That has, has been slow coming to Teams. Uh, there is a level of guest access into, uh, into Teams today. So somebody can invite you into their team, even though you're not uh, part of their company. But there are some caveats around that and uh I think Microsoft absolutely um, understands that uh the day they can crack that federation nut uh, that uh, that's it's just going to be full steam ahead from that moment.
1: for sure, I think you know an important thing for me is um that and this is another thing for teams specifically that we've 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 heard a lot of complaints about it there's there's a lot of them already, so I mean you've got people who are already using slack you've got people who are using uh, you know a whole bunch of different IM products and essentially teams has been another one for me I mean don't get me wrong I enjoy using it and the fact that it's integrated into groups and it's integrated into SharePoint essentially Um, I enjoy using it but I think the difficulty here is there's a lot of people who are like but why should I use teams if it's just another version of slack or it's another version of something what well are it's your views it, on it's
3: that? So, well it's so tightly integrated into office 365 that uh yeah it it is i think it's designed Well, it's pretty obviously designed so they're pushing to, us
1: they're, they're pushing us into
3: teams oh no they're never pushing you microsoft's not pushing you but uh <laughs> it uh, it integrates very nicely with all of these other things uh why would you need them um sure. it's it's designed yeah, to be that
2: a, sorry i think there's also a, a certain ex, a certain sort of um uh, benefit right to having a holistic platform so if you're using microsoft for um storing things in groups and in in, in um in sharepoint and maybe you're already using skype today um teams kind of just slips its way in there right there's no additional cost potentially you have people in your organization that are going to use it to work the way they want to work um and then you're going to have other people uh, in the organization who want to potentially continue working the way that they used to working and hopefully it, at some point, you know, you're going to be able to do that. Um, so from, from a, just from an econo- uh, economics perspective um, or commercial sense, it, it, sometimes it does make sense.
3: Oh, certainly from a compliance perspective, uh, it's a great way of addressing that shadow IT concern where uh, uh, there's just so much functionality in there with all of the uh, uh, the different connectors and the bots and all of this functionality uh, on top of all of the integration into Office 365. That uh, the idea is it can be the, the one application that can be managed internally by the same team and... Uh, same little lower lowercase t teams, and um, and you address all of your compliance, your data retention issues um, in the, in the one. Uh, overarching platform. It is that single pane of glass. It is the uh, the app now that you would uh, launch at the start of every day. Back in the old days, um, Outlook was the first app I launched every day. Now I've got Skype for Business and Outlook and now Teams, of course. And uh, over time, I think uh, you'll find that we may yet move. And this is me and my, my crystal ball again. Uh, I can certainly see uh, Microsoft demonstrating how Teams is going to be the only app you need to launch and whether that's the uh, the XE on your machine, whether it's a uh, web that you're browsing to, uh, or maybe even a uh, um, uh, an, an Apple version for you, or a Mac version, and uh, obviously the mobile as well. And it just brings things like your IMs, your phone calls. You will be able to bring emails in and uh, all of the other types of um, communications.
1: Which also, Certainly. I think teams... Oh, sorry. You go, Nick. Sorry. No, no, no. Carry on. I was just gonna. I was gonna touch on uh, Teams and the, the 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 resources. Have you noticed that Teams hogs a lot of resources because <laughs> it's so capable? I mean, that's you know, yes, it's a single pane of glass, and I've noticed that. I mean, it's got Word viewers, it's got Visio viewers, it's PowerPoint viewers, it's got a OneNote viewer. Everything's all built inside. However. I have also noticed that it's it's a bit of a resource hog. So I mean, are people so going to have to start th- upgrading things to support? Yeah, this? look, I,
3: I think I've seen reports of that, but I'm pretty sure that was addressed. It's either has been addressed in a recent update to the Teams client, or it's it's a new, uh, a known issue that they're working on. And uh, you certainly want to be making sure that you are um, always updating if you do have the uh, uh, the install client, and you're not just using the uh, uh, not just browsing to it on the web. And, and likewise, obviously, on your uh, your mobile device as well.
2: So, Greg, we talked earlier about you know bandwidth constraints in in, in certain regions and certain countries, and and when we when we think about that, what about video? Do you think is video dead in the enterprise? Is it is it something that only the the kids are doing on their phones now, or is there still room for it? You know, in in the business world.
3: I'm I'm honestly not sure video was ever alive. In the in the uh, the enterprise to to now be dead, um, I have had this theory that uh, I've coined this at least eight years ago. So I remember telling it to somebody in my previous life, and I think one of the well, there's several reasons why we haven't adopted video. Uh, the obvious one is that we often like to multitask, and if I have to be Staring at the screen or staring at the camera, uh, it's going to be pretty obvious that uh, I I can't multitask or it'll be obvious to you if I am. And and, that comes across as obviously offensive in a uh, video call if you're doing something else while while we're trying to have a conversation. But I think one of the other problems is a more technical one and... I'm actually wondering whether we're really on the cusp of addressing that right now. And the problem is, is an obvious one. You'll, you'll notice this the next time you go into a video call with somebody because you're going to be looking at the picture of the person you're talking to. But the camera isn't where that is and the person at the other end sees you looking off to the side. And it's like, try to have a, a conversation with somebody that you're not going to make eye contact because they're looking off to the side, and it just looks awkward. If you look at t- how TV is recorded, and you're watching an interview on the news, or even a, a newsreader for that matter, they're staring down the barrel of the camera. They've got the auto cue text up that's imper- imperceptible to us, and they're able to stare down the barrel of the, uh, of the camera and, uh, and deliver a, a very engaging uh, engaging interview or a newsread. And I think until somebody... Well, I, I used to say that I think until somebody makes a monitor that can embed a camera behind the glass, that we're not going to have this sort of adoption of, of video in the enterprise. And it probably it'll also roll into, uh, into consumer as well. I mean, you're talking about having a Skype conversation between your parents and uh, the kids or grandma and the kids. You want to be able to look at each other rather than be looking off to the side. Uh, the the realisation is that... Uh, or my recent realisation, thank you to my other half who suggested this, is that uh, we've reached a point now with uh, cameras on uh, the back of telephones where you put multiple cameras in there and they stitch together an appropriate composite image. So it's technically viable, can't say I've seen it yet, and um, I I may yet race off to the patent office at the end of this call, where somebody might be able to put cameras in the four corners of the screen and they will digitally stitch together an image of you looking straight forward. It's crazy, crazy but possible. But I think until we've got the ability to, uh, to be looking at the face on the screen, and uh, have them looking straight back to us. That we're not going to have uh, realistic adoption of a uh, video in the workplace. It's a fine for meeting rooms because the uh, over a distance that uh, the angle between your eyes and the camera, or the, view, the the view you're looking at and the camera, is is diminished. But up close at a desktop, it's just too it's too noticeable.
0: I'd like to come back as one of our final questions to the, the beginning of this conversation where you spoke about how you started off in voice and you were working with your local telco and then you ended up in Microsoft. <laughs> and this is maybe also a bit of a career question. Mm-hmm. So you've got a passion for voice and there's many voice vendors to choose from. Why Microsoft?
3: Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good question, Nick. So um, I guess at a particular point in my career, I was, uh, say, around 10 or so years ago, I was working for uh, the, uh, the distributor of Nortel PABXs here in Australia. And at that stage... They uh, signed a, an Innovative Communications Alliance, an ICA, we had to have an acronym, an ICA with Microsoft, and that uh, gave them some integration into uh, LCS and then OCS. And that, uh, I guess, was my first introduction to Microsoft. And the thing that really excited me about this was that it gave us uh, computer telephony integration, CTI, out of the box, I absolutely loved the fact that somebody could ring me and I'd get a pop-up on screen that would tell me who they are. It would reverse, uh, reverse engineer that, do a reverse number lookup against you know, maybe my Outlook contacts or some other database. But I had CTI out of the box and uh, no premium on that. And uh, equally, I could click to call. I could uh, find somebody ringing me and I could just click them and, and place a phone call to them. So that, uh, that got my attention. And it came at a time when I was uh, you know, becoming more and more interested in, in programming and, and CTI. And Nortel at, stage, at that stage uh, had a, um, a software development kit for their PABXs, and it cost 5000 American dollars for the SDK, and it was Mac locked to the developer's PC. So it was cost prohibitive, certainly at a time when the Aussie dollar was trading at 50 cents. Um, to the US dollar. So 10,000 Aussie would have got us uh, a Mac locked SDK. And uh, then Microsoft uh, turned up on our doorstep and went, oh, no, no, it's free. Here, just uh, download it. Go go to town. So that caught my attention. Uh, Wind forward a couple of years. uh, Nortel goes bust. uh, Their business is bought by Avaya. And I had the choice of uh, sticking with the platform Seeing how far I could go with it, or jumping ship into something that uh, yeah had, had my attention looked uh, looked a bit innovative, looked uh, you know, quite well it's quite revolutionary really, and certainly where we're we we're looking at now, it's been quite a uh, quite an evolution from um, old world two wire telephony through into uh, the the VoIP telephony that we're using today, and uh, and on into the new architecture that's in uh, uh, that's in cloud, so that's in Teams. So it was really a, a natural, I think it was just a natural progression for me, but uh, uh, certainly just given a, a, a wonderful coincidence of circumstance.
2: So that actually brings us as a perfect segue to, I guess, wrapping up. And, and, and you know, you mentioned your your uh, your love for, for programming, or at least your interest for in programming. And I, I would call it a love. I know you personally, so I know that you actually love doing this stuff. And, and, Absolutely. and you obviously have, um, you know, your app, Bounski, which I, I'm sure many people use, but you know, this is kind of your time to, to plug plug yourself, plug anything. How can people, um, how can people find you online through social, um, and tell us, you know, tell us about Bounsky and, and, and what you're doing there.
3: Great, well, thanks, Chris. Um, so uh, Bounsky, previously known as Profiles for Link in its uh, previous incarnation, is a uh, an app I wrote using the aforementioned free SDK for originally Link. And uh, I, it actually had its sixth birthday a couple of weeks back, and uh, I marvel at the first version of, of Profiles for Link that I wrote. And uh, I wrote it as I was uh, you know, building our first deployments of Link 2010 uh, with the, uh, uh, the organization I was working for at the time. And uh, I kept getting sick of having to sign out of our in-house deployment and sign into the, uh, the customers' deployments that I was working on. And I thought, Look, there's got to be an easy way of doing this. And it turns out that the, the SDK um, afforded the sign out, sign in functionality. So I wrote a little app, and the funny thing about it is that I only catered for 10 sites. Um, I don't know what, what I was thinking at the time. But, uh, yes, you could uh, switch between the, the company's own deployment and uh, up to nine other sites. Now, that's since evolved. I, I grew it to 40. 40 got a bit too much, and uh, it's currently sitting at 80. And if you do need to, uh, uh, to connect to more sites than that, And I guess we might have a problem. You can page them out and page the sites back in just using the CSV backup file. But uh, yeah, it's gone from 10 to 80 over six years, um, potentially more. Um, I do get asked quite a lot when the mobile version of that's coming out. And unfortunately, for the time being, I can't write one because Microsoft hasn't made um, the sign-out, sign-in capability available for the mobile client. I would absolutely love to because as anybody who's ever signed out of the uh, the mobile client signed out of Skype for business in the mobile client and signed back into another uh, another deployment it's a giant headache and then of course you've got to sign back into your your home deployment afterwards so uh, I would love to and the moment Microsoft releases the SDK or upgrades updates the SDK for that i'm'm I'm, I'm there for it I'll be uh, I'll be a mobile app developer and uh, that'll be in the store and it might make me a hundred air <laughs>
2: um, so uh, in terms of social, uh, what, what's your blog address and Oh, and sorry, handle? yep,
3: thanks. Uh, so you'll find me at greginsydney.com. Um, I spell my name, Greg with an I, but uh, Greg without the I, greginsydney.com will find you there. And uh, likewise on Twitter, I'm uh, greginsydney and that's g-r-e-i-g in Sydney.
2: Awesome. Well, um, thank you very much for taking the time to, to speak to us. I think, uh, you know, it's fascinating talking to you. I um, always in, uh, enjoy these conversations. So Uh, Again, thank you very much for the the time.
3: Thank you, guys. And uh, if anybody does register that uh, idea of the multiple cameras, uh, please think of me. (laughs) Of course.
0: (laughs) Thank you so much, Greg. Our show is on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash thearchitects.cloud and our website is at thearchitects.cloud and on Twitter at thecloudarc. You can find me, Nicholas, on Twitter, at Nicholas Blank, as well as Facebook and LinkedIn. I also blog at blankmanblog.com.
2: You can find me, Chris, at my blog, cgoosen.com, or on Twitter, at Chris Goosen.
1: And you can find me, Warren, uh, www.waza, as in W-A-Z-A, C-O-Z-A, which is my blog. Uh, I'm Twitter, at Warren DT, and on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Thanks for listening, and we'll chat to you soon.